This week on an all-food edition, racist cookies and mac and cheese. You're listening to the Fake Outrage Report. Hello and welcome to another educational adventure here at the Fake Outrage Report, the least important debate show on the internet. My name is Phil Causey and with me as always is the browner and better educated and now fully vaccinated half of the show, Sandeep Sen. That's right. Got the second uh, second vaccine on Sunday. Um, right, so how long do you actually immune then? Another like week or something, right? How long do you actually need to be actually immune? How long after the shot till you're actually immune? Yeah. They say two weeks after your second mm-hmm. shot, then you're like, you're then super you're immune. Then you, get okay. all, then you get all the immunity. So you're not actually fully... Um, I, for some reason, I thought you got yours months ago because you were a doctor, but I guess I was, I was wrong in that assumption. Uh, I mean, there was, there were frontline workers and like, you know, elderly people in nursing homes. They were first. I, I'm not a frontline worker. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I didn't have the first or second wave and then, then they opened it up. I'm still waiting to be eligible myself. Uh, I, I've been checking often, uh, but unfortunately, uh, unemployed comedian slash hotel workers not on the government's priority list right now of <laughs> people to get the vaccine. So that's how it is. But hey, good for you. So that means that another week or so you can start, uh, Licking subway poles, that's right. Yes, that is exactly what you can do with us. Uh, and as always, let's take a minute to meet our third voice slash guest today. Brad Trackman, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here. Yes, nice to have you. And where are you coming to us uh, today from? From my home in South Jersey. South Jersey, okay. Yeah. Oh, that works good because we got a Philly story coming up. Now, Brad, you, you have a lot of... Uh, you know, your comic has been around a while. You've done the Late Late Show and you've done Unleash, Comics Unleashed. So you've been on TV. That's pretty awesome. Um, and you also have a book that, that, that's that been out for a little while called Permanently Suspended. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I wrote Anthony Cumia from Opie and Anthony. Mm-hmm. I wrote his life story and uh, very controversial shock jock yeah. Uh, yeah. with a, a long legacy of, of uh, incredible comedians that kind of blossomed from that. From that show, uh, he was a launching pad for Bill Burr, Patrice, uh, who else? Uh, who wasn't Jimmy? Jim- Isn't it Opie and Jimmy? Well, oh, no, that, it was. It, well, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah okay. You, you know, and, and of course, Jim Norton, too. I mean, Anthony was the, I guess, you know, in regards to Opie and Anthony. Anthony mm-hmm. was the, with the talent in regards to, he was the funny one. He was the one with the personality. He was the one with the intelligence. Just very well versed in a lot of stuff. Whereas uh, Opie was more of the technician, more of the guy that was a real, you know, jock. He was like a guy that had his own show in Long Island. He was like the Howard Stern of Long Island, but he was missing that one essential piece to get him to a national level, which was. What a way to be described the Howard Stern of Long Island. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, all right. Had you written books before, or is is this is this the first book you wrote? And how did you think to write a book about uh, about? Well, I didn't think of it. Uh, I was actually, and I had a. It's kind of a unique thing. Uh, I did a showcase in L.A. with my agent years ago, and in the audience was a lady who was a literary agent, and she's like, "You're a really tight joke writer. Would you be interested in maybe?" ghostwriting and helping some of my clients, you know, put in some humor, uh, implement humor into their books. And I said, if it pays, I'm interested. 
And then we just, you know, I started doing some stuff with different authors and, you know, I just got a phone call. She's like, Hey, do you know Anthony Cumia? And I said, no, I go, I'm not familiar with who that is. And she goes, have you heard of Opie and Anthony? I go, of course. She goes, well, Anthony's, you know, that's Anthony Cumia. He's looking to, to do a memoir and he's looking for a writer. You're, you know, based in the same area. How would you like to have dinner with him and talk about writing his book? It wow. Was, it was, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that, that's what happened. And now, now what, what year is that released? I'm just curious. Cause he's years ago. Oh, okay. I was going to say there might have to be a second edition very soon because there was always new chapters to add with that guy. He, I feel like he's always in the news, very controversial guy. Anyway, back to you though. You also have a dry bar comedy special coming out. Is that right? Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. Um, it's kind of the new thing. Uh, it seems like when it first came out, I didn't really think many decent comics were doing it, but now it's like you're getting some real A-list comedians that just don't have the fame of to, to warrant a Netflix special, but it's a really professionally produced special and uh, it looks good. It sounds good. It, it was a cool experience, but you have to have the ability to work squeaky Mormon clean. It's one thing to be, you know, clean, but it's another thing not even to have innuendos and you can't even say the word God. It's it's, it's a little challenging, but uh, so it's a Mormon. Yeah, you say it's filmed special. in front of Mormons, right? Yeah, it's filmed in front of Mormons. But I mean, it's of course nationally. Uh, they have a they have a big following. Even Gersh agencies now taking on Dry Bar as clients, like they're doing a Dry Bar comedy tour. Maybe not right this second, but you know what I mean. It's it's it's. It's a lot of, uh, uh, just to give you some, uh, who, who did I have with my taping? I had really good comics on my taping. I had that guy, uh, Zany, Bob Zany. He was one of the comics who's an icon. I mean, the guy's been around forever. He's a legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had this guy, Michael Panazak or something. Really funny guy. He's done Letterman, The Tonight Show, all those shows. I mean, really good. So it was good. I mean, you know, and I see more and more decent comics are starting to do it. So, well, Hey, that's cool. Dry bar. Now, is it like it a sober a show challenge to, to do comment, to, to have all your material and scour it for like, for Mormon clean, which is, <laughs> you know, when yeah. they talk about clean, normally in comedy, you just can't use, you can't, you can't say like fuck and you can't jizz, you, but you can allude to sex. You can pussy, make sex jokes. You just can't make it graphic. Mm. And, and there's so many things that if you have to, if you have to just take it out altogether, like all that innuendo, you take all the fun parts out of comedy is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But there's got to you know be a huge though, market for There is a market for it. And there is a lot of corporate people that. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, families want to watch comedy together and like and people who, you know, just don't want to watch dirty shows. Or I mean, when you look at some of the success, like uh, a guy who I, you know, was my kind of my graduating class was like Gaffigan, uh, a mm-hmm. guy who I used to open for a lot, which is Brian Regan. I mean, oh, these wow. guys. Okay are making millions because they have that ability to work squeaky clean. So there yeah. is a, there is definitely an audience. I always think of stand up very similar to music. There's different demographics. There's heavy metal. There's, you know, mm-hmm. your light music. There's the jazz. There's the same with stand up. You know, you know, I'm glad you said that because I think we're entering an era where comedy has to learn to self segment. Cause I don't know what scene you currently work in 
Um, but like here in New York, it's really tough because there's some nights where, you know, you walk into a bar and the audience, they want a very specific thing. They either want a really urban set or they want a really woke set or, you know, some of the places want the sort of Kumia fan style, you know, like the pro whatever kind of set. Um, and I think the comedy needs to segment itself as opposed to just being like, it's comedy night. Like we need to specify with another adjective. It's this type of comedy night. That way people don't go in and get pissed off at you. It's so crazy that you mentioned this because I was speaking to another guy who I had opened for me a couple weeks ago in a theater. Um, mm-hmm. One of the only gigs around like right now on the East Coast, it's this Bucks County uh, Playhouse Theater. It's a little intimate theater, like a 200 seater, but they socially distance and they're fucking Nazis, to be honest with you. I mean, like, no, seriously, it's crazy. Like I was told I had to wear a mask when I perform and then I had a meeting and I was like, there's, you just can't do stand-up with a mask on. It's ridiculous. Especially if there is distance and I'm on well, stage. And if it's a 200 seat, so yeah, that yeah. really only means, what, 50 people right now or 40 people right now? Yeah, it was like, yeah. uh, I think it was maxed out at like uh, 45 people. Yeah, yeah that, that's got to be such a weird feeling, seeing everybody just kind of well, in clusters. The point and is, this guy who was opening for me, he's from Brooklyn, and he was telling me exactly what you're communicating to me, how frustrating mm-hmm. it is. Because you go to these, first of all, like, I mean, fortunately, I'm at a place where I don't do the, I don't do many, I, I do the major clubs, you know, I do yeah. stand up, I do the strip, I do Caroline's, I do Gotham. Uh, I was for many years, uh, a regular at the comedy cellar till my son was born. And Esty would like give me five spots a week when I lived in New York city, it was great. But then when I had my son and I'm living in Jersey, I couldn't, I couldn't do one o'clock spots, man. Yeah, yeah. you know, it just, you know, so, but, uh, but she's still cool. I love Estine. She'll still give me spots if I'm getting ready for TV or something, but, uh, cool. Anyway, uh, my point is those are really the clubs I play. I don't really do the alternative. So I haven't, I come in on weekends cause that's the only time it really pays for me to, to do spots. But my point is I'm not seeing what you guys are telling me. He's like, Brad, you wouldn't believe it. Like, you go in and he goes, you offend like every, it's like, he goes, everybody bombs. And I'm like, really? Like, I yeah. It's crazy. That's crazy. No, it, it really is. But yeah, you're, well, you're lucky you don't have to deal with that. But anyway, this is not really a comedy podcast, but I mean, I, I, I hear oh, those grievances I, though, for I sure. Apologize. No, it's fine. No, no, no. We, we just, we go into inside baseball all the time on our own. It, you know, we just try to keep, you know, it's all good. Um, no, anyway, so Sandeep, we are going to start with you today. Speaking of stuff that happens in New York, you have a New York Times story you wanted to go over? We do. This story ha- I found out about in the New York Times, though I it, it's talked about many places, but we don't often get stories because we're doing we're doing a little less important stories. But uh, uh but they, they, they did write about it in the New York Times, and it involves Bon Appetit magazine, which is a magazine that focuses on food and recipes. Very popular magazine if you're if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, and in 2015, Bon Appetit ran an article by food writer Don Perry headlined how to make actually good hamantashen, which Brad, Brad is Jewish and please correct me if I'm wrong. I, it, it seems to be a vaginal shaped cookie with fruit in it that is traditionally <laughs> served on holiday Purim. Vaginal shaped was a, was my adjective. Sorry, that, but it is. Well, I mean, it's funny because uh, you and I spoke about it when you told me about this story. And like, I mean, that's how I equate like when, joking around with some of my Jewish friends, you know, as a kid, we'd be like, oh, man, I'd like to eat that home Natasha. You know what I mean? But uh, right. yeah, I mean, I think you perfectly described it. Uh, I, I, it's like a cookie slash uh, Danish. 
You know what I mean? Like a, a triangle uh, shaped thing that uh, I've never had a good one ever. Oh, okay. So it is uh, a common thing. So it's like the Jewish version of the uh, the, the Catholic um, bread and body of Christ. Because uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with communion, but it's literally like little fucking. My son's being raised Catholic, but no, it's not like that. Okay, so it's it, not quite that bad. Okay, got you. No, it's, it's still little... supposed to be a cookie. I pictured from looking at it, I pictured that it tasted like a fig Newton. But is that is that my imagination? If it was good, it would. I love fig Newtons, but oh, okay. I, I, no, I mean, you know, you get the basic, like, it's like, I guess, cherry or grape or whatever's in a Danish. It's the same, same shit. Okay. But like I said, I, I mean, it's like, I'm not a big uh, Danish guy to begin with, let alone Homatash. And I just never particularly uh, was excited about having one. And that's how you said Homatashen? Yeah, Homatashen. Yeah. Homatashen. And it, it's traditionally served on the holiday Purim. Is that right? That's Hundred percent. It's the only time it's served. Okay. Yeah. You and don't so, see any Jews like walking around like you know, any other time saying, "Man, if I could, I only have a homotaxin." And apparently, it's known amongst Jews as being a thing that's not totally good, right? Like that, yeah. no one really loves it. Million percent. Okay. Million. Okay. Percent. So recently, Twitter user, the reason this was story was written. I'm probably gonna get shit for that. I'm not a sellout. You know, it's like I'm just. Being honest, I mean, it's like something I would never like equated to being like, oh, you got to have that. You know, I just I can't think of anything Jewish that is really that good with food, but I'm going to get shit for that, too. I mean, I guess you guys are flatbread, don't you? Flatbread's pretty good. Dude, matzah's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it. I love it uh, with eggs scrambled. But, you know, I guess you want to. Continue with the story. It's a pretty crazy story. <laughs> I think a but, lot of cultures have things that are that like are kind of known, even though they're traditional. They're kind of known not to be that good. I think like fruitcake is probably one of those things in in uh, in the white yes. world, right? Chris? Oh yeah, like, oh, my fucking parents, dude. Every goddamn year, that my parents. This is totally true. They special order from somewhere in the south, um, like this like famous brand of, of fruitcake. Uh, and it's garbage. It is fu- like, like you. It's funny you mentioned Jim Gaffigan. I always reference his joke about that when my mom orders some because Jim Gaffigan has that joke where he's like, you know, fruitcake doesn't make sense because you think like fruit, good, cake, great, but fruitcake, nasty crap, <laughs> you know, and because it is it's so it's one of the worst fucking things I've ever eaten. Like I'm genuinely triggered that you mentioned fruitcake because it's well, so it's a, yeah, you're right. It is a white thing. I think that it's a common thing, right? I mean, everyone has these things that like we they're 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 cultural, but. Everyone kind of, or it's it's not that popular really as an as an individual dish to remove from that culture. And and what, so, what's the Indian version? What would the Indian uh, gross thing be? I, Why I people was thinking about cake? that. I, I, anything I say, there's some people that would like it, but um, but do they like it, or do they acquired taste because they had it since they were a kid, and they were told they had to have it during uh, Diwali, like it. That, that's a two different things, you know. Right. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Well, so. is there a Diwali dish? Do you, is it like Diwali lentils where they put a different kind of spice on it or something? Like what's the Indian? They have sweets that I hate, but I think people like the sweets. So I, I'm trying to think of what's kind of universally disliked and I have to, I have to still think about it, but I'm sure okay. there's, I'm sure there's stuff. Yeah. But I know this, we have a good uh, amount of Indian listeners. That's why I ask. This is, this is, I'm, I know I'm going to, I'm not, I'm blanking on, on a dish like that, but like, <laughs> in, in two, so anyway, this, this was written in 2015, the article called how to make actually good hamantashen. But recently Twitter user, <laughs> Abigail Koffler found this recipe and tweeted 
quote, traditional foods do not automatically need to be updated, especially from someone who does not come from that tradition, because uh, the author, Don Perry, is not Jewish. And she went on to say in her thread, in her Twitter thread, also the author of this piece is married to Matt Duker, former head of Condé Nast, who resigned after not paying staffers and contributors of color. So within hours, Bon Appetit put a, their editors put a note on top of the article saying, we've changed the title to five steps to really good hamitashin instead of <laughs> how to make actually good hamitashin. And, uh, and they said the original version of this article included language that was insensitive towards Jewish food tradition <laughs> and does not align with our brand standards. As part of our archive repair project, we've edited the headline deck and content to better convey the history of Purim and the goals of this particular recipe. We <laughs> apologize for the previous version's flippant tone and stereotypical characterizations of Jewish culture. Yeah, they use the word actually, and that's triggering. Now, Brad, we're going to defer this to you, obviously, because you have some uh, Jewish upbringing, I understand. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Jew. Okay, so and, and so, if you saw that, and you and and you, would you would you chuckle if you saw the title of like actually good, or would you be like, ah, where are they going with this? You know, I would probably be more intrigued. Like, wow, they actually came up with something good. <laughs> you know, I mean? I'd want to continue reading. You know, um, it 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 doesn't sound at all offensive to me mm-hmm. at all. I think it's just you know. It's well, you do have to it's speak really for all good. Jewish people right now on this show. Uh, <laughs> so you do. You do have to speak for all the, the whole Jewish community. <laughs> I can't speak for even any other. I'm like the biggest. Like I'm the worst Jew ever. I mean, okay. I married a Catholic. We're raising our son Catholic. Um, that said, I, I am proud to be mm-hmm. Jewish. I, I I think the religion. I'm not a very religious guy, but as far as if I had to pick a religion. I'd go with Judaism. Like, if, like okay, you put yeah. a gun in my head. Yeah, I would take that one. And I never but really I, understood people who don't like Jews because I, I don't know. They just always to me they were they were just kind of like the they're like the other group. You know, they they do their thing, we do our thing. It's all good. Like, there's no like I, once in a while you meet somebody who like really doesn't like Jews, and you're like, what the fuck did they ever do? Like, all they do is they do their own holidays, and they and then you name off all the the non threatening stereotypes. Like, they just do you know legal stuff Active. and law, and then you yeah, that's all you do. But yeah, it, it is weird to me that, there, that there's a weird, you know. Well, I mean, it goes back to the day. I mean, first of all, anyone that has a problem with Jews, the majority of them are real, I guess, staunch Catholic or Christians that hold some resentment against uh, Judas or, you know, selling out Jesus. But the fact of the matter is Jesus was a Jew. Yeah. Was born a Jew. He is a Jew. So, I mean... There's a little bit of Jew in you. <laughs> I mean, that that whole story really is it's Jew on Jew violence if if we're being real about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hey, he was like Jesus was like any great Jew. He started his own business, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's doing pretty well. Oh yeah, no, he he definitely. I mean, to be to get, I was actually just talking about this to somebody the other day. Like, he's been remembered through time for thousands of years. Whereas, like, what other thing can you do besides religion to get remembered for that long? Like, even presidents, most of them people can't even name half of them. You know what I mean? And and so, like, to be remembered for two thousand years, he's killing it. Like, his business model is crushing it. Absolutely. You know? 
And there's nothing more Jewish than that. Am I right, fellas? Hey, oh, okay. There's my, <laughs> there's my 1980s Johnny Carson hack joke. Um, had to get that in there. But as far as the outrage goes on the food thing, Sandeep, so is there anything else about this that we have to know or just people yeah, are mad Yeah, Bon also deleted six sentences about Perry's observation that Jews and non-Jews alike on the Bon Appetit staff, quote, could only call up childhood memories of dry and sandy hamatashin that left your mouth coated with a weird film. Was your mouth coated with a, do you, do you get a weird film coat, Brad? Man, I'll tell you, it's been so long, but I, I just remember them being terrible. Just never, uh, and then they also never, deleted when she said her goal was to, quote, convert the haters to create hamatash and we could all enjoy, regardless of religious upbringing or tainted Hebrew school memories, unquote. It's lighthearted. It's a lighthearted yeah. commentary. The whole recipe is lighthearted because everything doesn't have to be super serious. Good Lord. And But they had to del- delete it because they now it's a flippant tone. It's insane. You know, this just sounds to me like the per- the outrage must have. Um, uh, I'm just picturing where this person came from. This is a fictional thing in my brain, um, where it's like one person who you know they read this and they're like, "No, my grandma makes the best version of this." You guys are all fucking dumb. And then they, you know, they text a bunch of their friends and they get some outrage going because they're upset because they're like the one person out of a hundred that liked it. Because uh, according, and again, Brad doesn't speak for all the Jews, but apparently. Um, it just sounds like something that's universally everyone's like, that's really not that good, but it's like one of the things we do. Right. You know? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. Anytime there's social media, there's going to be someone that's going to bitch, be negative, or, or, or complain about something. Dude, yeah. I'm obsessed. And, and, and Sandeep knows this. And I consider myself an aficionado on it as well. I'm obsessed with pizza. And I'm well-versed with New York, you know, of course, Connecticut, New Jersey. Thank you, by the way, for mentioning that. Connecticut fucking wipes the floor with almost everywhere else in the country with pizza. And, but yeah. Connecticut's a big, big place for pizza. And so is New Jersey. So is New York. And believe it or not, though, now there's great pizza makers throughout the country. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And my point is I go to these, these social media pages for pizza there's a first bite one uh that are fans of david portnoy yeah my roommate's obsessed with that guy that's great i love him and then (laughs) and then there's uh there's one for new jersey my point being it's cheese sauce and fucking dough and people fuck you you call that pizza that's (laughs) bullshit i'm like what the fuck so yeah so are you picturing that same scenario except with this jewish dish Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how dare you make fun of this dish? You know, okay. we, we do it better in, in South Williamsburg. No, we do it better in, uh, what's another Jewish? Princeton, Jersey. No, we do it better in Fairfield County, Connecticut. It's like, eh, it's all the same. You well, know? it seems like no one's really bragging about their hamatashen. I mean, everyone see, kind, kind of acknowledges yeah. that it's just kind of there. Yeah, I never heard anybody like, you think you make a good home. You know, I mean, that'd be a funny thing to do, like like a hamatashin cook-off for Pyram. Like, you know how people do chili cook-offs? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, do like a hamatashin cook-off just to see if or anybody does have. take that level of pride. Huh? I bet they have. I, I hope they do. I'm I'm rooting <laughs> for it. I don't know. But as far as the outrage goes on this, uh, I, I... Well, I wanted to... There's a, we, oh, there's more to this. The larger. <laughs> we always have to... Yes. We try to look at the larger point. And the larger point here is that... The, the problem with woke culture now is that every like group 
has people that are just complainers, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know the Jews very well, but from what I understand, some of them like to complain. I don't know. That's just what I've heard. But- oh, Sandeep. <laughs> you should run for no, every group has the, has the complainers that don't speak for the whole group. But like, but when, when people aren't in the group, like when like the editors and corporations that me all, they have, they have to take everyone seriously who are in that group that are complaining, even though they don't, they don't look to see, wait, do, are these just like, do they, do they really not speak for the whole group or do we have to change everything? And the, and the problem is you cannot organize society. So to, to appease these fucking complainers who will just, who, who will just bitch and moan no matter what they are. And they shouldn't get shielded just because they happen to be from some kind of minority. I mean, I know we have them in, we, we do a lot of Indian stories, Brad. And I mean, there's so many things that it's like, shut up. No one really cares. No one really thinks that no one's really that offended. Oh, well, we've established on this show that Jews and Indians do have quite a few things in common. A lot, a lot of the same stereotypes. Where I live, my my son, one of his very best friends is Indian, and uh, his name's Krish. And and my wife happens to be very friendly with that kid's mother. And of course, we've got to learn a lot about the, the, the culture and just getting to know them as people. And man. They are, they're, they're impressive. I mean, for all, I mean, not just them, that family. I mean, all the Indian people that I've ever met. I mean, hard work ethic, very smart, intellectuals. Strict parents, spicy strict, food. Strict parents. You know, I mean, they're just good people. They're good people. So if you're comparing Jews to Indians, I take it as a compliment. That's good. I mean, yeah, we're both very uh, well-educated. And, and stress education, uh, a lot of doctors. Yeah, a lot, a lot of doctors, doctors, a lot of lawyers. Like I said, a lot of strict parents. No, the, the, there's a strong Venn diagram. A lot of our parents sort of dislike Muslims, <laughs> sort of not politically <laughs> correct shit. They say that was, there's a lot of similarities. There it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah that's, I don't know how racist. we, I don't know how we, we deal with this though. This is the, this is the thing is like, you have like, it's some vocal minority, but then if they're from some group, then everyone has to listen to them and no, fuck them. You can be like, you can be like, no, you're just being, can I be honest? Listen to for God. I know I'm nuts, but every time I hear a story like this, it it just for one reason or another brings me back to my own issues. And I, I feel like if I was the person to complain, they would never acquiesce. They'd be like, fuck you, Kike. (laughs) <laughs> you know but that's just me that's 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 me and it's also like woke culture is supposed to be all like sensitive to people but this woman insulted the the author's husband how did the author's husband had nothing to do with this and you can just bring she like google stalked i guess her whole fucking oh, family wow, yeah, and now it's... you can just you can just talk shit on people's family if they talk about a recipe that's some secondhand like... outrage right there yeah I, this one really man i just <sighs> This is if it wasn't for stories like this, our sh- we wouldn't have a show, Sandeep. Yeah. So you know that's kind of it's one of those ones where you feel like like did they write this just to bait us personally? Like like did the New York Times make a story just to fuck with me and Sandeep? Uh, yeah, well, they I, I really can't take this seriously. Magazine, which is a <laughs> magazine about recipes, for God's sake. Now recipes are offensive and insensitive, and you can't. You can't have like a lighthearted tone on food, which should be talked about in a lighthearted way. I don't like, I hate these, like sometimes you, you, 
you talk to people about food and they're like, oh, I can't cook. And then and they, they say they can't cook because they like watch these, you know, these food network shows that just fetishize every single thing. And you have, it takes them like four hours to make bread and shit. And it's like, it does yeah, take you four can, hours to make bread. Food is just good. You can just chop up a, a you know, a, a red pepper and saute it in some oil and it's good. You know, you just don't have to fetishize everything. Food should be about fun and camaraderie and jokes. And, uh, the last thing we want to do with food is like then act like it's like some big uh, cultural thing that has to be like respected. Otherwise, you're making people feel ashamed. And show, no, no, you know, yeah, draw the line. I will say this: one of the first uh, things that we that we established in the show, actually, back from when when you were before even the co-host, Sandeep, uh, a Jay established a rule on here where he's like, no, if it's a, a a pun and it's a restaurant pun or it's food related. It's probably gonna be fake outrage. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I, I don't think he said it exactly like that, but yeah, he was like, no, like, and I kind of agree with him. The interesting thing is that our next story that we're gonna get to in a second actually contrasts very well with everything you just said, Sadie, which is really interesting. I, and we didn't plan it that way; it just happens that way in the show where we have unintentional themes. This is going to be a food episode. Um, as far as this outrage goes, yeah, I cannot take this seriously. This person was trying to clickbait people into trying a new recipe and having some fun for a holiday so if you're mad at her you can definitely go fuck yourself uh i'm gonna go with fake outrage yeah i think fake outrage all right yeah, with brad, us on that one brad ruling the official ruling on that's fake outrage uh and we're gonna move from uh new york down to philly we're keeping this one pure east coast pure fuck you this week Big fan. Um, now, you live not far from Philly right now because you're down in South Jersey. Up in a skit, man. I mean, really, really, yeah, really close, like 20 okay. minutes close. And uh, Now, are you familiar with the Roxborough neighborhood? Because I'm not. Sure, I am. Okay, yeah. what, what kind of neighborhood is that? Is it Does it have a New York equivalent? No, New York and Philly are just so different. But uh, okay. it's a city, and it's a section of the city, and, uh, you know, it's not like – Roxborough and then it's like you almost have your own different neighborhoods it's almost like one is Brooklyn one is Queens there's a little so bit which of, one is Roxborough <laughs> Roxborough is kind of like uh Brooklyn okay so it's more like the new school kind yeah. of stuff okay yeah so that makes sense then actually if uh that this story would come from there so what happened in Roxborough Philly was a place called Lenny's Hoagies and they had a menu item that uh, drummed up some outrage based on what they called it here. And the uh, it's a mac and cheese dish that they serve here. And one of the seasonings that they have in it is Chinese chili. And the the menu item, <laughs> they're calling it the COVID mac and cheese. That's fucked up, dude. It's <laughs> really fucked up. That's one of those dark ones where you're like, oh, my God. Like, it, it's almost like they were in the they're writing the menu and one of them said, like, Hey, well, how about we call it the COVID mac and cheese? And everyone laughed. As a joke. They were like, hi, yeah. like some guys like it's internal. Yeah. And then someone's like, oh, yeah. You know, we're going to actually like, do no, that. I didn't mean it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's, that's why my fictional story behind that one. So when they released, obviously, um, some people were mad, uh, particularly the Asian folks, particularly the East Asian, the Chinese folks, because they've been having a hard time in America recently. A lot of ignorant fucking people have been directly blaming random Chinese Americans for the fucking pandemic, which doesn't make any sense. Idiots. Yeah. Uh, and so, and again, that based on that, I'm like picturing this restaurant owner being some like, you know, blue lives matter flags up all around the restaurant kind of guy, if you know what I'm saying. 
you know, he's one of these people that, uh, you know, he's upset the way things happened uh, the last few months in America type type of guy. I'm yeah. just picture, I'm picturing that, like, you know, he's an old school Philly restaurant for just Philly people, you know, that kind of, uh, I feel I'm getting that vibe off this guy. And Couldn't someone get more racist than what that guy did. I, I think it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, so when he, uh, somebody said that, and this is a secondhand quote, so I don't know if this person actually said that, but someone said that they called to complain, and uh, the guy said, like, what? We've been using Chinese chili in our food for a long time. I don't know what the problem yeah. is. <laughs> no, that, was, that, was, that was ridiculous. I hope that's real. I don't know if that's a real quote. I hope it is, because it goes along with my stereotype perfectly. No, no, but it the, was in the, it was, the article was on the news, and they interviewed yeah. the guy who called them. And he's like, he's yeah. like, and she's like, and he was so calm about it. He's like, no, that that wasn't the issue. The issue was that you, you called it the COVID. They're like, oh, well, look, we took it down. Yeah, well, they and they did take it down. That was the result of this. They did remove it, um, but it did make regional news first. Which it's like, you know, here's a here's a thing we've learned this from this show um, is if you do if you're a restaurant person and you're covered by our show, there's like a 50-50 chance that you like horribly fuck. It was it's it's either something that's punny and people are mad for no reason, um, or it's something like this where you're completely ignorant and you miss the point and it's like, whoa, whoa, buddy, you need to. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be a public figure in your neighborhood. Uh, th- and this is definitely, I would say, in the what you, what you said, Brad. It's it's pretty fucked up, you know. It's very fucked up. Yeah. Um, it, you could they could have called it anything else. They they could have literally called it Chinese mac and cheese. Would have been fine. Okay, it would have been fine. But they called it COVID COVID mac. Like I don't know what the, the the equivalent of that would would be. You know, you know what I mean. Is there like something that they they could call like like Indians, you know, like if they put like yeah, sand and word neck and mac and cheese. Yeah, exactly. If they put like curry <laughs> sauce in their mac and cheese and yeah. And they called it like, you know, like the terrorist truffle yeah. <laughs> or something. It's like, yeah, no. mac and cheese. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Or, or if they, uh, you know, they, they, they had a kosher mac and cheese and they called it like the Jesus killer mac and cheese. Like it, it just, these are all things that are in very bad taste when you blame a full group of people for uh, things that they had probably had nothing to fucking do with. Some people were trying to get the city to like uh, sue them or get them in legal trouble, but technically they didn't break any laws. So this is one of those things that like, I think is, it's one of those, like you take the bad with the good things about America. Like you shouldn't be an ignorant moron in America, but like you're totally allowed to be (laughs) because they didn't break any laws. They're just dicks. And that's sort of the legal uh, consensus behind it. Is there any Lenny that's not a racist? (laughs) Yeah, this one I think is a uh, definitely a slam dunk of uh, legit outrage. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, this is definitely uh, this is just again. I, I, I it almost sounds like a thing where someone said a joke and the guy right in the menu was like, "Oh no, we're gonna actually do that." <laughs> it's just like that's the only logical explanation I can come up with. Um, yeah, unless I did somebody, agree, though, oh, sorry. There was a larger thing where they're like, sh- someone was saying like the government should get involved and. They should, and I, I really don't think the government should should be involved. I, you just don't. Yeah. It's just you don't want to restaurants them to have to like submit to some government committee every time they want to add a menu item. Like this thing got taken yeah. care of, and and people have to be like, all right, it got taken care of. They took it off the menu. They won't apologize. But whatever. Like it, they were they they got it off the menu. Would you go society there? reacted? Would, would you would you go there as a patron after knowing that? Uh, yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I, I mean, I don't I like don't, to, I, I don't like to, uh, 
I mean, and it's totally, I totally respect your decision, but I, I feel like when it, when the, the, it's like, it's like a small business owner. Their whole thing is to serve food. If they're going to be idiots, but they serve a good food. I don't like to go too beyond the product in and of itself. Cause then there's just a lot, there's a lot of shit that people do that make products that you no, like. But that was just so racist. And I, I think to myself, there's just so many places to eat. Mm-hmm. I'd rather go to one that isn't racist. Yeah. You know, actually, I'm, I'm going to push back against what Sandy just said, because I'm not the kind of person that really necessarily boycotts things either. But I, I just want to point out that it's an interesting dynamic that, you know, people lose their, their acting careers and their radio careers uh, and what have you over saying ignorant shit. Yet somebody who owns a restaurant, they just get a little slap on the wrist. They get one local news story and then all's back to normal. And I think it's interesting that people in general, not just you, Sandeep, but people in general don't put as much effort into boycotting like local restaurants and stuff when they're being ignorant. But they'll go, they'll spend all day on Twitter sending, you know, uh, uh, what's the lazy name, like Gina Carano or Roseanne or somebody fucking tweets. I'm like, fire this person, cancel this person. But like, there isn't really a strong call of like, you know, cancel Lenny's hoagies. But like, they're, you know, I feel like it's the same type of offense, don't you? Absolutely. It's the same offense, but it's the little guy. One, one's the little guy and one's, I, I, by the way, I don't believe that actors should all lose. So I don't, I don't want anyone to like, have their life ruined if they if mm-hmm. they make right i w- i wish that the society would correct them and then they would learn from it and i think that's all yeah. you want you want from people you want to ultimately you want to bring okay. these people you want to bring these people into your into the right and you want them on your side you don't want to just ruin their lives that's 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 my feeling yeah and, and that is actually kind of the basis of this show too because there have been especially like early on in the show, we covered a lot of stories that did ruin people's fucking lives. Like people did get fired from regular jobs and shit from, from bullshit outrage. So yeah, no, I, I actually, I'll, I'll accept that as an answer, Sandeep, but yeah, definitely a legit outrage three out of three. Um, and now we get to the part of the show where we ask our guest, Mr. Brad Trackman, is there anything that you are currently outraged about that you want to let some steam off on for a minute? Yeah. You know, I, I don't have a, a, a newspaper article. Oh no. It can be something that's bothering you. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. something that's been really bothering me, and and it might be just me, and I'm probably possibly wrong here, but I'm really sick of people, especially on social media, patting themselves on the back for things that they shouldn't have done in the first place. I'm not a big fan of people saying, you know, it's been it's been two years since I've had a cigarette. Okay, good for you. Do you need to be patted on the back for something you shouldn't be doing in the first place? It's been 20 years since I've had a drink. Well, you couldn't drink responsibly. You were an alcoholic. You're a fucking asshole when you drink. Am I supposed to say congratulations for being a grown up and not drinking? I get it. I get that it's a big thing for them, but it fucking annoys me, man. Well, there's a lot that goes into this. Thank God fucking inmates don't have social media what are they going to be like fucking it's been 20 years since i've killed anyone yeah you're in solitary (laughs) confinement motherfucker. dude i haven't slapped my girlfriend in two months congratulate (laughs) me you know um well this reminds me of that old chris rock bit of like you know um you know people want credit for something that they're just supposed to do like oh i take care of my kids exactly it's like well you're supposed to (laughs) you know um and and i think that that there's a combination of um, of things in this. One of it, first of all, right off the bat is, and you mentioned the social media, 
is this only exists on social media because let's be real, getting those those clicky clicks, getting those likes and everything, it, it fires off the endorphins in the brain. Like they've done studies where, you know, a certain amount of social media likes is akin to like a cocaine hit for some people. Um, and so some people, the endorphin rush that you get from um, being congratulated for stuff it ends up being kind of addictive. So, and people see one person doing it and be like, oh, wow, this person did this and they got, you know, a 200 like Facebook status, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I also have been through some trials in my life and I would like to have people click on my thing because it feels good. And it does, you know, it, it does. And so I think that there is definitely a part of that where people want the endorphin rush. That's a big part of it. Um, Along with what what you were saying too, as well, that the, the standards have kind of lowered over time. Of you know stuff that was standard issue ten or twenty years ago is now like yeah, you know go John, good job buddy, <laughs> you know that that kind of that kind of thing. So yeah, no, you, that, that's a good outrage. I like that. This is the whole business model of social media, right? To get yeah. likes for shit that you don't really deserve likes likes for. Yeah. No, it's exactly. Well, <laughs> and, and, well, and it goes a step further and it goes also too with what like our show is about because there's sometimes where people just get super mad about stuff um and they they kind of yell at people and go like this person is a you know homophobe or racist or whatever the isterphobe thing is and they go oh this person is this and we need to punish them and da, 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 da. and because they're calling for a punishment of this person people like their statuses so then they realize oh wait if i knock other people down then that means that I'll be rewarded for it and I'll get those endorphins. And so it becomes a drug to some people. And, and, and again, and that, that's a lot of what some of the fake outrage is about. It's, it's really just people who want to be congratulated by their peers in social media. So it, it, it's related actually to what we talk about. And there's always, for me, social media, I'm getting so sick of it in general. It's like you <laughs> post the most innocuous thing and you're still going to have somebody fucking chime in and say something that, that for me, is upset. Like today, I posted a situation where I have a friend who, and I'll just be straight out and say he's a Trumper. I'm friends mm-hmm. with a lot of Trumpers. I happen to like. I'm related this. to a bunch. I, I feel you, I, and I am as well. And, and I like this guy, but I I do every day go back and forth with him politically, and you never win. But I, I like him. He also. Uh, this whole time during the pandemic has overtly been negating COVID. Like uh, it's going to be over in April. It's nothing more than a cold. It's just like the flu. It's nothing. His sister got it. His wife just got it. So I texted him yesterday and I said, Hey man, how's your wife doing? And he goes better than me. I'm admitted. I'm getting admitted right now to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So he goes, I'm having trouble breathing. I texted him this morning to see how he's doing. And his Mm -hmm. wife took the text and said, he's in ICU. Jesus. So it's a fucking nightmare. But this to me is really a serious thing. Cause there's a lot of guys like my friend who is just doesn't take COVID with any bit of, uh, uh, of seriousness. And look what happened to this guy. I posted something articulating more or less that. And I said, you know, I pray that that his name's Billy. I, I pray that he's going to be okay. And somebody wrote in a comment, I, I deleted him and I blocked him, but he said something like people that wear masks are cowards. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I've like, got a few what? of those. I've got a few. I've got a couple of those come from a small town of people who constantly post like, you know, keep wearing your mask, sheeple and all this fucking bullshit. So I do. I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the whole sentiment of like not taking it seriously is something that's been bothering me for almost a fucking year now, because like I work at a, ho- worked at a hotel in New York city. So I experienced a lot of this stuff firsthand because that, that was one of like the Petri dish locations when this shit first started, because you have all these people flying in, coming into our building from Absolutely. everywhere in the world. And so, yeah, it really fucking annoys me. And, and I also have friends, a lot of friends or, uh, ex lovers who were nurses and, you know, checked in with them once in a while and they're in hell. They've been in hell for a whole year now. It, people who really are like, what are you talking about? This is just a made up thing to make our Lord and Savior Donald Trump look bad or some bullshit. It's like, dude, you guys don't know shit about shit. So I completely understand what, what your outrage is on that too, Brad, for sure. <laughs> I feel so much better after this fucking podcast. That, that's what we that's do. Great. We're here to motivationally speak people we agree with and shit on everybody else. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, I think that's a pretty good place to end. Uh, you can motivationally speak me at uh, fucking Phil on the uh, Instagrams there. Uh, Sandeep Send Comic is how you get Sandeep on the grams. The fake average report at gmail.com is our email. Give us five stars on iTunes if you get a second there. And you can follow Brad Trackman online or find him or tell him that he's wrong about Corona at. Oh, uh, at Brad Trackman on Instagram or something, uh, mm. or, or Twitter. It's Brad Trackman at Brad Trackman. Same with Instagram. Same with Facebook. It's just Brad Trackman. So yeah. cool. All right. Yeah. So uh, do all that on there. But before we go, as always, Sandeep Sen. Any parting thoughts? They should repurpose the term COVID Mac for someone who like has COVID but still is able to get asked somehow. <laughs> he's able to overcome. <laughs> That's a good. Way oh, there. he's a real COVID Mac. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>